Joined by host of the Pinstripe Strong Podcast, Talking Nets Podcast, the late night sports talk host of WFAN, and the first ever reoccurring guest in Chatter from the Cheap Seats history, Keith McPherson. Keith, what's going on, man? Yo, Jack. What's up, my guy? Jack from DC. Glad to be back as a repeat guest. guest. Second time coming to chat with you. And uh, I'm glad we can make the time. Obviously, I've been busy. And uh, some things have changed and some things have happened in my career and, and my pursuit. But uh, you're somebody that's always supported me, Pinstripe Strong. You've called in the WFAN. And uh, I'm glad to be back on your podcast, man. Yeah, second time is going to be better than the first. You got a lot of hats now. Last time I spoke to you, WFAN wasn't a thing. You were just doing talking nets, t- Pinstripe Strong. Now you got the late night WFAN five hours, KM till AM, as you like to call it. And that's been exciting, exciting to listen to and hear all your perspectives because we get to hear your basketball takes. We get to hear your baseball takes, but we don't always get to hear your football takes. And now we can with WFAN, and we're going to hear a little bit more because your Dallas Cowboys, Keith, have been eliminated from the playoffs. And... It's unfortunate, man. It really is. <laughs> it's unfortunate because we them boys. It's unfortunate because how about them Cowboys? It's unfortunate because Dallas and Dallas fans win 12 games a, a season after, you know, losing Dak. And we get uh, Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs and C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. And it's all hype. That's all the Cowboys are. They're all hype. And uh, they haven't won anything in years. They've had a bunch of seasons where they've won double-digit games but can't get it done in the playoffs. And everybody's right, right? Going into that weekend, wild-card weekend, super wild-card weekend, people were like, the Cowboys are always one and done. They always choke in the playoffs. Everybody was betting the Niners. And I had hoped that the Cowboys would have some type of chip on their shoulder, right? Like, we're at home. We're favored. We're not supposed to be looked at as the underdogs, but nah. Lights were too bright in Jerry World. And Jerry Jones... Guess what he deserves. I feel like the Cowboys actually are cursed with Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones came out and said some things after Mike McCarthy sucks. And uh, Dak Prescott had one of the worst games uh, of his life in a big moment. And Cowboys fans had to eat that one. And what I'll say about that game, and hopefully we can move on because I hate talking about the Cowboys, especially after they went out like that. A lot of Cowboys fans want to blame the refs and, uh, you know, even last night I was with one of my friends who, you know, his his brother is a Cowboys fan. He's a little younger than us. So, you know, growing up with his with his brother, it made him a Cowboys fan. He's he's like I'm almost like eight years younger than me. I'm like, why would you be a Dallas fan? And he's like, I don't know, man. You know, he came up during the Romo years and he thought the Cowboys were going to get it done then. And then he was talking to me last night and he's like, the refs, man, the refs always have it against us. The refs blew that game for us. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't say that, dude. I'm like, it looks weak as a Dallas fan for you to blame the refs. The players blame the refs. McCarthy blamed the refs. 
the Cowboys were given eight different chances to come back and tie that game or win that game, and they couldn't get it done. They were stunned. They looked like the deer in headlights, like paralyzed, like don't know what to do. And me as a fan of the Cowboys, I have experienced this at the end of the season most of the time, so I wasn't surprised. And as a former football player and someone who loves the game and feels like they know it a little bit, you know, more than the average person, like the X's and O's, I could see that they weren't ready for that game. They weren't prepared. And that goes against the coaching staff. The number one thing that people should know about the Dallas Cowboys is they were the most penalized team in the league. And they were the most penalized team in the first round of the playoffs, 14 penalties in that game. You shot yourselves in the foot. You can't blame the refs. Be better. Be more disciplined. That's, that's the only stat you really need. When you look at the Cowboys, the penalty stat, that tells the whole story. And we'll move off of it because I know it's a little bit of a sore subject for you, Keith. But are you are you the type of fan that after your team is eliminated, you're just completely out or are you still locked in on the rest of the playoffs? Um, I would say I'm still locked in because I love football. I love the NFL. Uh I literally said I was just on the phone with my mom. I was like, I didn't watch any football yesterday, which is crazy, but kind of had to go hang out with the Jersey, the New Jersey Devils and uh, <laughs> do some cool stuff over there at the Rock. That's why I wasn't watching the games. But the Cowboys being out of it doesn't end it for me. Um, it's history. Every year I watch the playoffs. Every year I want to see who's going to the Super Bowl. I'm riding with the Bills now. I'm hoping they win tonight. And the Cowboys being done just means I don't want to talk about the Cowboys. I hate that. I hate when the season's over and then for weeks on end, people want to talk about the last game and well, this should have happened or Dak shouldn't have shouldn't have ran it on that last play. It's like what what is what is the point of talking about it? What's done is done. But uh, I did lay eyes on the first maybe hour of the Bengals Titans game, and I knew that the Bengals were going to win that game. Obviously, Tannehill throws a pick on the first throw, the first play. That's not how you start a game. And if you listen to WFAN, which I know you did, I talked about why I think the Bills are going to win it. And I said, you need three things to win in the playoffs. You need a good coach, a good quarterback, and a good defense. If you're missing any one of those threes, uh, three things, you're going to get exposed. And look at the Titans, number one seed, most people they've ever had in that stadium for a game. And Brian Tannehill is not a good enough quarterback. Started there. It doesn't matter if you get King Henry back doesn't matter if you have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and this defense that's flying around and Mike Vrabel, like what I say, coach, quarterback, defense. They got a good coach. They got a good defense. They held them. You know, that was a low-scoring game. But they, the quarterback turning the ball over early set the tone where the Bengals knew they were in that game. And then shout-out to my cousin Evan. Evan McPherson, Money Mac. Oh, what a man. legend. This guy kicks them into the next round. and. Whenever Joe Burrow gets the ball across midfield, Evan McPherson is ready to get points for the Bengals. That's going to be huge for them. Joe Burrow, it's just it's so interesting to me that if you get if you get the right quarterback, which is way easier said than done, but if you hit on a quarterback in a draft, just how quickly you can turn a franchise around cuz I mean the Bengals went from being the laughing stock of the NFL to being a pretty bad team with a good young quarterback to being a playoff team, winning the division and making it to the AFC championship game all within three years. And meanwhile, yeah. the giants and the jets have been just stuck in these miserable cycles. And 
I'm it's glad you just, mentioned that. <laughs> it's wild to me. And I agree right? with you that the Bills are going to be, I mean, the Bills-Kansas City game is going to be tremendous tonight, but Josh Allen is one of the best top three quarterback in football. They got a fantastic coach. And that defense, the Bills defense is really strong. That that interception that I think Micah Hyde it was had where he ran like literally 30 yards across the field to come down with it at the last second there. They're flying all over the place. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the Jets and the Giants. And uh, something I also talk about on the fan is like what goes around comes around because I, I like to hear people's fandoms. I like to hear how people be- became a fan. I like to hear, you know, I've been rooting for this team X amount of years. I'm never going to change because that's how I look at sports. That's how I got into sports. I picked some teams when I was a kid. I stayed with them. I've gone through the misery, but you go through that misery, right? Like, like Cubs fans. Cubs fans had to wait 108 years for their World Series. They were the lovable losers, but they always had fans at those games. Their fans showed up during day games when they didn't have night games, and they they drank, and they they yelled, and they cheered for the Cubs, and they fi- finally figured it out in 2016, but it was like it was never going to happen. Teams like the Jets and the Giants and even the Cowboys, right, I feel like they're cursed. I feel like they can't get out of their own way. I feel like it isn't going to come around from them because they're so far gone, but – everything takes time because new GMs come in and new coaches come in and new players come in and anyone can figure it out. We're looking at the Bengals and the bills. If we get the Bengals and the bills in the AFC championship, that's two teams that were bottom feeders for years. That's two teams that were the laughing stocks of the league in the AFC for years. I'm talking brown paper bags over their fans heads. Nobody wanted to root for the bills. Nobody wanted to root for the Bengals outside of their like market area. And now you're going to see kids wearing Joe Burrow jerseys. You already see kids wearing Josh Allen jerseys that aren't living in Buffalo and aren't living in Cincinnati. So I really do hope that the the bills do it today because I think it's a better story. And when I'm talking about what goes around, comes around, the chiefs have been the back-to-back Super Bowls. We don't need to see Pat Mahomes in a third Super Bowl. We also don't need to see Tom Brady in another Super Bowl. Let these other franchises and players get a chance to get there and let us see what happens. I really feel like, and I, and I've said this on the radio too. I really feel like this is the year we see a team win it that hasn't won it before. And right now the bills and Bengals have a good chance of bringing home the first Vince Lombardi trophy for their franchise. I really hope so. I think the bills, or I think the Bengals can shock a lot of people. They've done it all season long. I've been rocking with the Bengals and burrow all season long. And I would not be surprised if they can make, make a run to the Super Bowl here because when you got an elite quarterback and a good head coach, the rest just falls into place. And that's why as a sports fan, and maybe you're listening to this and you're a fan of the Jets or you're a fan of the Giants or you're a fan of the Washington football team, all you have as a fan is hope. That's all you have. And as a Giants fan, to know that, okay, we have this new guy coming in, Joe Shane, you know, there's there's a chance Giants fans are hoping that he's the guy. And if he's the guy and we hire a good head coach, things can turn around really quickly. And I'm just excited to see progress. I want to see that progress and just eager for the Giants to turn things around. It's been, it's been too long. For the Giants fans listening, here's a like rooting tip or a rooting interest. Root for the Bills. You now have their assistant GM on the way to being your GM. 
wouldn't it be cool if he walks in with the Super Bowl ring? Wouldn't it be cool if your nice. new GM, Joe Shane, is a Super Bowl winner? He's got he's already got respect. Um, but a ring would, would give him a, another level of respect and like a higher pedigree. Here's something for the Jets fans. Root for the Bengals. Mike White and the Jets beat the Bengals this year. So if they go on and win the Super Bowl, Jets fans forever can say, we beat the Super Bowl champs that year. They can't say that. And I know you said you didn't watch much football yesterday, but did you were you able to catch some of the Packers 49ers game? Because talking about I the would say choking. 10, 15% of it. I was in the BMW M lounge and they had obviously the devil's game on the TV, but they also had other games on basketball, football. And I was able to get an eye on the game. It was seven, nothing. Then it was seven, three. Then it was 10, three. And then next thing I know it was tied 10, 10. And then I'm in the car listening on the radio and <laughs> I don't know how the pack, I, I didn't watch them blow this game. I just, I just knew where the score was. I don't know how the Packers lost this game. I don't know how they fumbled that one. Um, both number one seeds knocked out at home. And Aaron Rodgers, I love that he's done. I hope he's done with the Packers. I hope he's done with the NFL. I know he's not done with the NFL. He's definitely not going to go out like that. That won't be his last game. But I hate Aaron Rodgers. Um, not just for the like lying about being vaccinated and people allowing him to push back on the vaccine push back on the president, um, say all of these things on, on uh, Pat McAfee's show and just carry himself in this arrogant way as if he's just above everyone. This dude went to Hawaii in the offseason. He didn't even train in the offseason. He just waltzed in there talking about, oh, this is the last dance. We're going to go win it this year. Nah, I'm glad Aaron Rodgers comes up short again. I hope he never gets to another Super Bowl. Yes, I am a salty Cowboys fan from 2016 where he threw that ball to Jared Jack and then Mason Crosby kicked the field goal to win it in Jerry world. And I'm forever tight about Des Bryant catching the ball and them saying he didn't catch it and Aaron Rodgers beating the Cowboys then. But I think the 49ers have hit their stride right now and they have the right mentality. They're, they're reminding me of as a 10 and seven team entering, they're reminding me of, you know, like the Giants when they made their nine and seven runs. Underdogs in both the, the division round and wild card round. And a team that lost some games during the season, but it's still a good team. And now it's about who gets hot in January, who gets hot going into February. And the 49ers are hot. They've got a good coach. They've got a good enough quarterback and they've got a great defense. And you can't say enough about their weapons on offense. They drafted Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round. Kid went to Louisiana Lafayette or something. And he's better than Ezekiel Elliott was this year. And then they have George Kittle, who is an absolute beast of a monster of all kinds of monsters you've ever seen. Put George Kittle up there. And then Debo Samuel. Someone called him the Shohei Otani of the NFL. <laughs> I, I get it. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I get it because Debo will line up as a running back, as a wide receiver. I'm sure he'd line up at tight end if they let him. He's also played quarterback this year and taken direct snaps. And he is a weapon and a beast. And just with those guys alone, you sprinkle in Brandon Ayuk and Jennings and 
I'll put some respect on Jimmy Garoppolo's name. He's good enough. You know, I said, you need a good quarterback. You don't need a great quarterback. The quarterback's just got to be good enough. You got to make enough throws. You got to manage the game, not throw it away. The Niners were in the Super Bowl um, a few years ago, um, two years ago, and lost to Tom Brady. And I think they've got a good shot at going right back. It was a really interesting game because the entire first half, I mean, you would have thought that the Packers. Oh, no, they were... lost to Pat Mahomes. Why would I say Tom Brady? They're, I think they're about to face Tom Brady yeah, <laughs> next Tom week. Brady. I think. Um, but the, yeah, they lost in the Super Bowl to to Pat Mahomes. Yeah, but the entire first half, it was it was bizarre. The Shanahan and the 49ers did not let Garoppolo throw the ball past the hash marks. He was just managing the game, dumping the ball off to Elijah Mitchell running Elijah Mitchell into the ground. And it was, it was a game that the Packers should have been up two, two and a half scores by the end of the first half. And Jimmy G got away with a lot of bad passes. He, he floated he a lot does. of screen passes that like two in a he row. He always misses. He throws picks. Did he have a pick yesterday? He's always he good for one a miss and a pick. He He's always good for a miss and a pick. And yeah. somehow that defense and that running game and the, the coaches, Kyle Shanahan, uh, D'Amico Ryans, they bail him out. They bail him out, and you got to give credit to that defense. Nick Bosa is a maniac. I, I, I feel like Fred I should Warner. be giving the 49ers more credit, but I just – I don't know. I don't I don't trust Garoppolo. I feel like in the end, in a crucial spot in the championship game or the Super Bowl, he's, he's going to end up throwing an interception or making a mistake because nine out of ten times, you know, the defense isn't going to drop that – that duck that he throws that, I mean, went right through the Packers defender's hands. So, and I mean, the 49ers, it's going to be interesting to see if anyone can get it done, it's the 49ers because their defense is elite, but I can't the trust The 49ers them. know who Jimmy Garoppolo is better than anyone. That's why they drafted Trey Lance. Yeah. Imagine if they drafted Micah Parsons or Jamar Chase or, you know what I'm saying? Like, they used that pick to draft a quarterback. You already mm-hmm. had one, one with a big contract that had been to a Super Bowl. You drafted Trey Lance because you don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, the 49ers are a very, very sound organization. They got a good process. They're one of the teams that no matter how many injuries they have or maybe they're, they have a, they're having a down year, they always find a way in it. They're always competitive in games. So. It, you you got to trust what they do. They have the benefit of the doubt. And another team, another quarterback that has the benefit of the doubt, Tom Brady and his Buccaneers, Keith, facing off later today against the Los Angeles Rams in what's going to be an interesting game because I don't know if the Rams we saw last week are the real Rams team. They've been really inconsistent throughout the, the season. Cardinals are the Cardinals are not good. They didn't show up. The Cardinals, the Cardinals gave that game to them. Like Kyler Murray, I, I don't know what he was thinking. When, when he almost got sacked in the end zone and he did that underhand throw that got pick six, I'm like, that is the worst quarterback play in the NFL playoffs history. That's the worst play. It's like self-sabotage. Like, what was he thinking? The Cardinals fell all the way off this year. And the Rams, what I'll say about the Rams is this, and, I, and I've said this a bunch. They put together this super team, right? The Rams were in the Super Bowl in 2018, right? They 
They were just in the Super Bowl. And they go and get Matt Stafford. Then they go and get Von Miller. They go and get OBJ. They sign Eric Weddle after he hasn't played since before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. They have a bunch of names next to Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, who they went to get a couple of years ago. Um, Sony Michelle, who they traded for, like they went and got all the pieces to go and win a Super Bowl. Now, I don't think they have that much faith in Stafford because he's a turnover machine. He throws picks. Last game, they kept his attempts low. He didn't, he, I don't, I think he, what was he, 13 for 17 last game or something like that? He, he threw like very 17 low. passes. It was very low. That, that is on purpose. In a game that they controlled your quarterback that you traded, uh, your first round pick for is only going to attempt 17 passes. I used to attempt 17 passes in, in high school games. This is the NFL. They know what they have and what they have to do. And against Tom Brady, I just think this group that has played together now, some of them, not a full season. OBJ has been there like seven weeks. Uh, Von Miller has been there maybe 10 weeks. Eric Weddle just got there last week. It's too disconnected. And there's not enough experience to draw from. There's not enough reps together that when you get into these playoff games, you need Tom Brady. Don't bet against Tom Brady. I learned that years ago. Tom Brady, this shit is regular for Tom Brady. Like, he, Tom Brady doesn't care if it's Cyril Grayson or if it's Antonio Brown or if it's Troy Brown, Wes Welker. He doesn't care. He's going to find the open receiver and hit him. And then they have playoff Lenny coming back today. Leonard Fournette gives them a like an extra punch. Mm-hmm. We saw Giovanni Bernard, former Bengal. We saw Gio, Johnny, Giovanni Bernard starting for them, getting all the reps. Uh, what's his name? Keyshawn Vaughn. Now they're getting their actual running back back. I just feel like you can't bet against Tom Brady. And the Rams are... They're not there yet. Maybe next year, if they can keep this team together, Cooper Cup had a fantastic season this year, broke all the records. Uh, I think if they have another year like they had this year, next year, they might be ready. But these are the defending champs. They just did this last year. And when you look at their defense, their defense is boss every level. You got Vita Vea, you got Ndamukong Sue, you got Devin White, you got uh, what's his name's kid? I can't think of the name blanking on him his he's a junior he's Antoine Winfield Jr like they have Whitehead they have they have so many guys that are like solid guys on their defense that like I think they'll be able to contain the Rams explosive offense enough I think they might even be able to force a turnover out of Matthew Stafford and if they play that game where Stafford turns the ball over Tom Brady will make them pay they're going to run the football because they know they have to run the football with, with Aaron Donald and Von Miller up front. And then when they get them off balance a little bit, Tom Brady's going to pick them apart. And, I mean, we'll see. Sean McVay, I don't want to doubt him. He's boy wonder. He's a genius. He should have those guys ready. But in my opinion, you don't bet against Tom Brady and you don't go against experience. And these guys don't have the playoff experience together. You, I don't count that, that Cardinals game. I just look at that Cardinals game like it was a first-round buy for them. Yeah, they – breeze through that game it was over within the first two possessions of the game and we have a saying on this podcast it's called don't bet against Belichick and don't bet against Brady because people have learned the hard way too many times betting against Tom Brady the man he's just a winner 
he just he hates to lose more than maybe any other athlete in history. Yeah. So that's going to be a fun one. I think I think Stafford's going to be due for a turnover or two because they they got to run the ball, but eventually they're going to have to push it downfield. You're not going to beat the Bucks by shutting out Tom Brady, you know. And what I'll say about their run game, right? It's it's great to see Cam Akers back. Mention him coming back. FSU, go Knowles. Um, to see him come back from an Achilles in the same season is incredible. But him and Sony Michelle aren't bashers. They aren't power backs. They aren't big guys. They're shaky guys, shifty guys. Like, they need to get in the open field. It's going to come down to, like, play calling. Expect some creative play calls, like OBJ through one to Akers. Um, but overall, going against that defense – I, they're going to have to run the ball. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball effectively, and then that's going to put pressure on Matt, Matt Stafford. And if the pressure is on Matt Stafford, he's going to turn the ball over. 100%. You're right. And you got the primetime game tonight. Chiefs, Bills, it's going to be a spectacular game. Either outcome, if you tell me the Bills crush the Chiefs in this game, I'm going to be like, yeah, you see what they did to the Patriots. But if the Chiefs win, I'm not going to be surprised either. So I'm expecting a good one. I don't expect a blowout, but I expect points on both sides. Mm -hmm. The Bills beat the Chiefs 38-20 earlier in this season. The Bills are coming off a game where they were perfect on offense. When I say perfect, I mean they didn't punt. They didn't take any field goals. They didn't turn the ball over. They had their way. They scored a touchdown on every possession. And that defense is the top-rated defense in the NFL. So you – need three things in the playoffs Sean McDermott a good coach Josh McAllen uh Josh Allen what did I say Josh oh, well, I was about to say Josh McCown I don't know Josh Allen who is a great quarterback not just a good quarterback and that Buffalo Bills defense which is a great defense not just a good defense you're facing Pat Mahomes you're facing Travis Kelsey Tyreek Hill and I just spoke about experience the Chiefs have the experience right they're trying to go to their third Super Bowl in a row they're playing at home. That crowd is crazy at Arrowhead. That all helps. But we've seen the Chiefs at time, times this year come back to earth. We've seen the Chiefs at times this year not be as almighty as they once were. And now they're facing another heavyweight, another juggernaut. And the Buffalo Bills are rolling. And I just see the Bills coming in there and being able to run the football with Josh Allen and Devin Singletary, but then also have their way throwing the ball to. Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Dawson Knox, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley. There's a lot of options for Josh Allen. And last year, this matchup was the AFC Championship, and we saw Stefan Diggs stay on the field and watch the AFC Championship trophy be presented. Those guys remember that feeling. And in sports, you always got to take your lumps, right? They talk about Jordan before Jordan became great. He got beat by the Pistons. He took his lumps. He couldn't get past the Pistons. And he had to figure out how to get past the the Pistons. So he worked out more. He got bigger. And they got some different guys on his team that were, you know, more physical and whatever. The Bills are building, right? They, they, They have been slowly building to get back to a Super Bowl. And I think if they beat the Chiefs today, they're going to win the Super Bowl because the Chiefs are going to be the best competition they face the rest of the way out. 100% right. The Chiefs definitely going to be the best competition they face. 
And you, if you put pressure on Mahomes, he will turn the ball over. He, you've seen him at points try to do too much and throw across his body and get an interception. So it's going to be a good one, going to be exciting. Something a little less exciting. The MLB lockout. It's gone on for, what, month, month and a half? I don't even know. And doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon. Where are you? Are you expecting the season to start on time? Or are you expecting to miss some games? What's your mindset at? I expect the season to start on time because all of this is about money and they're not going to miss out on opening day money, which is like everyone in Major League Baseball cashes out on opening day. Every, every stadium sells out on opening day. Where I'm at with it is that we're going to push back spring training. I'd like to go to spring training. I'm trying to book a spring training trip, so I'm going to book it the last possible week of spring training, hoping that we do get that. But I'm worried about the players. I feel like their health is at stake. The pitcher's arms are at stake because we saw this already. We literally got a glimpse into this in 2020 with the 60-game season and how long it took them to come together to figure that out and then how they just threw the players like the Yankees were just in summer camp and they're – practicing in Yankee stadium. I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then like it, it messes with the pitcher's arms, right? These guys have to ramp up. They're on training programs. They're on pitching programs. They have schedules of like, okay, this week I'm throwing 80 pitches off the mound. And then next week I can go to a hundred and I'm soft tossing. I'm doing whatever. And I know that the guys are going to do that, but there is no substitute for facing live batters there's no substitute for also the hitters facing live pitching and seeing pitches and getting their swings together and their timing together and if you try and throw these guys out there without a proper spring training it's going to affect the start of the season the the quality of baseball is not going to be good because half of the league plays in cold weather and these guys aren't going to be ramped up it's probably going to be shitty quality baseball and that's counting against the, the league. Like MLB has so much momentum over the last few years of what we've seen. The Braves were awesome. Their story was great to see them win it with, without Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Freeman, and those boys get it done. Solaire powers them. Even the Dodgers winning it in the 60-game season. It's like, good, the Dodgers get back into it. The Nationals, like, there's been some good stories in baseball and some momentum in baseball. It seems like baseball is doing the right things to – make baseball cooler again or attract a younger audience or grow the game. But if I was a kid right now and I'd be like, you know, I'd be wanting my baseball content, say there's there. And I know there's, there's a kid. It might be a kid listening to this podcast that loves baseball and wants to learn more about baseball in the off season and how free agency goes and all this stuff. None of that is happening right now. We are stripped of any baseball news and that hurts the sport. When I was a kid, NHL locked out and I remember NHL locking out and I didn't understand it. There are kids that don't understand why they're not doing business as usual, but what it did was it made me get more into the NBA because the NBA played at the same time as the NHL. So I'm like, if these guys aren't playing, I don't care. I'm going to focus more on the NBA and watch more NBA games and learn more about the NBA. Major league baseball is already in third place, let's say behind the NFL, behind the NBA, but they're going to fall. They're they're. People forget like esports exist, WWE exists, MMA exists. Like all of these things have a huge audience. And um, America's pastime is exactly what it is. It's past its time. It's 
It's past its time because they refuse to evolve and move into the future. They stay stuck in their ways and you can't stay stuck in your ways. The CBA has expired. It existed for 26 years. You have to come together and figure out the future. And it's all about money. These owners and these players, it's billionaires versus millionaires. I'm not on either one of their sides. I think they like are both dragging their feet. I think it's super corny how they use the media to play into this. Like Jeff Passan will just be like, a proposal was submitted. Yeah. And there's a meeting for them to counter offer next Monday. It's like, bro, we don't even care. Like, tell me us when it's done. done. Exactly. And we've just heard this movie before. We've heard about the delayed spring training and the injuries to the pitchers and the, the amount of times I've heard millionaires versus billionaires in the past two years. Like, nobody cares anymore. And I just hope the players and the owners realize, because, I mean, both sides have to realize, like, missing games is just, it's Stupid. terrible for baseball. You like, can't have it. Have it, it, it right? Like, it's if, just. If opening day doesn't happen on time, the New York Post, Daily News, New York Times, whatever, is gonna they're going to have some type of pun, like, grand opening, grand closing, or like, you know, um, opening day, more like closing time, like missed opening day, never thought we'd see it, but MLB drops the ball and pushes opening day back a month. It can't happen, man. And, and I think they're, they're actually probably thinking like it can happen. Like, okay, if it happens, whatever, we'll push it yeah. back a month. We'll play in warmer weather, but we have to play 162 games. It's just the, these three years are just going to be looked at. I mean, I, Maybe they're going to be looked at 20 years from now just as normal seasons, but it's just been such a weird time period. And the, these, these owners just don't get it. Like they're submitting proposals that don't even have the main issues at They're hand. non-starters. Like they're they're, it's a joke. Why even submit something? Like I'd be offended. I'd be offended. Yeah. You're wasting all of our time. I'm offended as a fan. I'm offended as a fan that talks on the fan and wants to talk baseball, but I don't want to talk about this. You see how frustrated I'm getting just talking to you about it because it's nonsense. It's, it's ridiculous. the same speculative, speculative stuff over and over again, and I want to talk about the Yankees, and I want to talk about who they're going to sign at shortstop and if they're going to trade for Matt Olson. But Let's do can. that, bro. Can I, can, I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. How – okay, so the Yankees, the only signing they've made, the biggest signing they made is a three-year – with an option for four contract for our manager, Aaron Boone. First well, question I want to ask you is, are you a Boone guy? Do you like Aaron Boone? Are you cool with that? You don't I'm really not, have a choice. I'm not really <laughs> a Boone. I'm not a Boone guy. I'm not like, like on the fire Boone train. Like, like the majority of Yankee fans are. You're undecided. I mean, You're indifferent. indifferent right now. The book yeah, is still I don't out. Think like, it, I don't think it matters that much to be honest. Right. And there's a lot of people that say Boone is just a puppet. Boone is just a guy doing the bidding of the front office. Here's how I feel about it. The Yankees had Joe Torrey, Joe Girardi, both of those guys. I think Torrey was here for like 10 years. I think Joe was here for like eight years, maybe nine, something like that. They both got like close to that. They got more than eight years, let's say. I remember an interview where Brian Cashman said two years ago, that he hopes Aaron Boone is here just as long as both the Joes were. So that, to me, signaled that no matter what the results on the field were, he was going to get an extension. But the way that the Yankees lost last year 
the way that the Yankees went out in the rivalry in Fenway in a wild card game, that shit was embarrassing. Garrett Cole couldn't get through three innings. We were flat on our faces. I, I'm, I told people, people are like asking me about the Cowboys game. I'm more pissed off about the Yankees last game. I don't care about the Cowboys game even half as much as that. Like, how are we supposed to go? Okay, so you know what they told us? They said, okay, Aaron Boone is back, but you know what? He's going to have some different toys to play with. He's going to have some different players. Where they at? So my next question to you, Jack, is how do we expect to have different results when we're going to have the same manager and pretty much the same team that we had last year and our manager got on the podium after the game and said, the league has closed the gap on us. What are you talking about, bro? Closed the gap on us. We were about to be fourth place in the AL East. The Red Sox, the Blue Jays, and the Rays are all better than us right now. Their rosters are better than ours right now. It shouldn't be that way when you have John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, Joey Gallo, Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez, Garrett Cole, Aroldis Chapman. You have all of these superstars, but they underperform. They're lackadaisical. They make mistakes. They make the same stupid mistakes. They pout about it. They, they have throwing errors. They have mishaps. They have mental meltdowns. That falls on the manager, and we're rolling with the same manager who is the same voice, right? The Yankees have regressed from Joe Girardi getting us to a game away from the World Series in 2017 and them, and them firing him because they were done with him no matter what. The magic carpet ride we took to uh, game seven of the ALCS against those crooks who cheated us, Girardi overperformed. He, he took the team further with less. And then the Yankees said, okay, we're going to get a media guy in here like Aaron Boone, who's coming out of the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball booth. He's already great with the media. And we're going to get a guy like him that's just going to listen to what we tell him to do. And he's not going to overmanage. He's going to use analytics. He's going to take our advice on the lineups. Even if the Yankees roll out a different lineup every damn day, which gets me tight because every day I check the lineup excited for the game. And I'm like, Rugnet Odor batting fourth. What the fuck is this? Tyler Wade again? Andrew Heaney? There's no way we're going to start Andrew Heaney again. That brings back memories. So, Jack, how are we going to get better when we're locked out and there's not going to be enough time to do business, to sign players, to make this roster better? It's going to be like this. Okay, you guys ready? And we're not going to have the time to get it done, and I just don't I, – I love the Yankees. I'm, I'm probably the most passionate about the Yankees. I'm afraid that this is going to come back to bite us, this whole lockout thing, right? The Yankees have the Mets to deal with. Right in town. What did the Mets do? Bye, bye, bye. Let me get everybody I can get. Let me go get a new GM. Let me go get Buck Showalter. We got Billy Epler. We got Buck Showalter. We got Max Scherzer. We got Sterling Marte. We got Mark Canna. We got Eduardo Escobar. Like they went and grabbed a bunch of talented guys before the lockout. And they're Absolutely. adding them to Pete Alonso, to Francisco Lindor. They have guys, Jacob DeGrom, like they, they have guys and they took advantage of the time and they're set up no matter what happens after this lockout. The Yankees kind of sat on their thumbs because they say Hal wanted to know 
what the deal was, right? He wants to know the rules of the game before he plays his hand. He needs to know what the luxury tax is going to be. And if there's going to be a universal DH and if the players are going to get more money than whatever. I just think the Yankees are in a bad spot right now. And if this lockout ends, let's say the lockout ends March 15th, two, three weeks is not enough time for you to meet with players, meet with their, their agents, let them come around, wine and dine them, bring them to Yankee Stadium, send them a box like they sent Garrett Cole. It's not enough time to figure it out. So I know that, that we're locked out and we're supposed to, like, not weird. I know that they're locked out and they're not supposed to be talking to players, but my my hope is, like, I hope to God that, like, they are still doing it. Like, they gotta I hope to God that, like, Trevor Story is ready to go as soon as we can go. I hope there's a, a starting pitcher on the way. I hope there's some other reinforcements on the way because we can't run it back with the same manager and the same team and expect different results. If you literally want to look at the Yankees year after year, we go from thinking we're going to a world series to losing in the ALCS again, and then embarrassing ourselves in the 20, 2020 60 game season. We shouldn't even have played. And then just being early exits in the wild, like, it has been – it has not been the Yankee way. It has not been what I'm used to as a kid, man, uh, growing up watching the Yankees always win and always get it done. And it's frustrating because now I'm a grown man. I'm a grown-up. Like, I grew up and I and I lived the dream. I grew up and I actually got into sports and got into sports media. We're now – like, I'm going to get credentials to go to Yankee Stadium. I've paid for – I don't know if you can even see. Like, up there is, like, one of my ticket boards. Dude, mm -hmm. I have so many tickets – from Yankee games, I've paid to go to Yankee games my entire life. Now I'm finally in the media and I can just waltz into the stadium and show my ID and the Yankees are not going to be ready to play. And that's going to piss me off. It's frustrating. And and last season was so embarrassing. And what the Yankees did day in and day out, their organizational philosophy needs to change. They need to stop resting players. They need to stop babying players because that's the only thing that's going to make a difference. doesn't matter if – we have a completely new lineup. We trade for Olsen. We sign Correa. It doesn't matter if we're still out there not playing John Carlos Stanton in the outfield, resting players every fifth day, focusing on all Pitching these guys that you're not supposed to pitch. There's no reason that Nick Nelson should be starting a game. There's no reason that Asher Wojciechowski should be starting a game. Every game matters. And you know what? Sorry to cut you off because like, this stuff is like I haven't been able to talk about the Yankees and I've been I've been keeping it in. I've been I haven't really let it out on WFAN. I haven't been doing pinstripe strong yet because I'm like, fellas, let's just wait till we like have something and we can hit it hard. But the Yankees piss me off because they always do the things that we don't want them to do. And it's then they expect different results. And there's there's so no tough. way they can go into this 2022 season without making major organizational changes. Just in, in the way they approach a season. And last season was a night, nightmare with, with Glaber and DJ, just nightmare season. They always do nightmare what we don't want them to do, game. right? You mentioned Glaber. We knew Glaber wasn't a shortstop, bro. They didn't want to re-sign Didi. They were telling us Glaber's a shortstop of the future. We're like, we haven't really seen that, right? A shortstop, when you see a shortstop, that's a good shortstop. Andrew Velasquez, we saw the difference tell. right away. We we're like, this guy can field. This guy can throw. This guy's on everything. Glaber, nah, not so much. And that wild card game, it just sucks that we have that's what we have to stew on. That's the last time we saw the Yankees. The last time the Yankees were on our televisions, we saw Garrett Cole get lit up in Fenway. We saw John Carlos Stanton 
hit the freaking monster three times. And it's just frustrating because who knows, maybe if the Yankees took the regular season more carefully and yes. tried more, that game would have been in the Bronx. And Giancarlo exactly would have had it, three Jack, Every game so, matters. Frustrating. So you, can't just pitch, you can't just pitch Andrew Heaney because you're trying to build his confidence and then blow a game because the math says right and joe's mcfly says this all the time don't tell me that the games in april don't matter as much as the games in september because uh, the difference between hosting a wild card game at the end of the season is a couple games if you win two more games not even in the last series i was with joe's we were at the game sunday the last game to clinch to get in we couldn't beat the rays the rays had already won the division they already knew where they were we we had a Friday night game that we should have won. If we would have won two out of three, we would have hosted that wild card game. And then John Carlos Stanton's hitting home runs out of Yankee Stadium and not into the Green Monster. And the Yankees, the Yankees act like they have the whole regular season, right? Oh, you know, we'll just get hot. We're gonna turn the corner, and when we start banging, that's what Aaron Boone will say. We're gonna when we flip start the banging. Switch. We'll flip the switch. Okay, they flipped the switch. They won thirteen games in a row. And then they lost eight games in a row and erased it. It's like, what the, what are you doing? The it's up so and bad. down nature of the Yankees in the shortened season and last year cannot continue. They have to go out, not play everybody every day. I understand, you know, resting guys in April, but they have to play hard and they have to go, go right out there and say, we're winning the division, right? We're not settling for a wild card game. We're winning the division. They got to be out there every day, play their best baseball and that's the only thing that's going to change it. Like I said, we knew as fans, you said, we knew Glaber Torres is in a shortstop. As soon as we saw Andrew Heaney pitch a couple innings, we knew he sucked. Like, why are these Yankee fans we, coming we to We knew that John Carlos Stanton was an MVP right fielder and didn't need to be clogging up the DH spot. We knew. And we knew that he could still field and run without getting hurt. You didn't have to baby him for so long. And then what happened? You put John Carlos Stanton in the field and something changes in him. He's better now because he's in the game and not just sitting on the bench with a bat like David Ortiz. He's not David Ortiz. He's a freak athlete. Put him into the game. Let him die for a catch. Let him bang against the wall. Now when he comes up to the plate, he's lathered up. He's in the motions. like He's in the flow of the game. So he's coming up now after making a play in the outfield and he's hitting bombs. What took so long to get that? It's frustrating, and I don't know. I don't know if it's the lack of a beard or what, but we see these guys come come to the Yankees. Joey Gallo comes to the Yankees, just looks stiffer, just looks less athletic, just playing with less fun. Like even Garrett Cole has been incredible, but he just doesn't. Like he didn't. He wasn't incredible down the. Doesn't stretch. have the same. It, it doesn't seem. Doesn't look like Houston like Astros Garrett Cole. He's, he's Houston Astros Garrett Cole, and I just feel like players come to the Yankees and they automatically just. They feel less athletic. They, they're they not you playing the game is, with Jack. as much fire, and it's frustrating. But, Keith, there I appreciate you. There used to be power in pinstripes. There used to be power in putting on the pinstripe jersey. And every year that we regress, every year that we don't make it to the top of the mountain, every year that we don't compete and get back to the World Series, there's less power in it. We're, we're more – I see the farewell captain behind you, the Jeter – Mm -hmm. I, I was in the fan cave that year. That was an amazing year, even though we didn't make the postseason. But think about how long ago we're going. That's eight years. That's eight seasons ago going into this season. It's a long time. I can't remember World Series. I don't remember 2009. There's a whole new I'm generation sorry, man. of Yankee fans I'm sorry, that man. don't remember. 
because I'm still holding on to 2009 because I was in college. It was a blast to like throw parties and watch every game of that. And they they beat the Phillies. So like I went to school at Monmouth in New Jersey. There were Phillies fans that like for from South Jersey that were there and Yankees fans. And it was awesome to beat them. It was awesome to have a team stacked like that and win it. And that that that, that brings up a great point. That team knew they had to win. Right. Because the boss went out there and got all those guys like A.J. Burnett, C.C. Sabathia, Mark Teixeira, Nick Swisher. And then when you put them with Jeter, you put them with Posada, Moe, Pettit, these guys, like, when you put them with these guys, they know that there is no other option but to win the World Series, and the pedigree is set. And Derek Jeter would always basically lead the way. He was the captain, and he, he said, what did you win if you didn't win at all? These Yankees, I feel like these Yankees think they've already arrived. I felt like Glaber Torres that way. Like, Glaber Torres, I'm seeing in an MLB Network ad. I'm seeing him in an uh, uh, Ethica ad, a, a JBL ad. I saw him at the Nets game courtside. And I'm like, they're thrusting him into the Derek Jeter position as the shortstop of the Yankees, and he hasn't done anything yet. And I feel like these guys just feel like because they're the Yankees, they're just going to show up and beat teams, and that time is done. That time is over. No one is afraid of the Yankees anymore. The, the rest of the league has closed the gap on the Yankees in the fact that they're not afraid of the Yankees and they want to beat the Yankees and they can. But we, the, we, we struggle beating the Orioles. Like, come on, you know. It's sad. I was, at, I was at a couple of the Yankee-Oriole games that Orioles embarrassed us, and it sucks. But hopefully next year we're going to have hope. Hopefully we have wholesale changes in the lineup. And always going to be excited for Yankees baseball whenever that comes. But, Keith, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And any last words before we hang it yeah, up? Yeah, let me end on a positive note for the Yankees, my Yankees, your Yankees. Positive energy always wins. We do have a roster that is very talented. I think we could be going into this season with one of the best rotations we've had and, and compared to other seasons, right? Going into last season, we didn't know what Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyone were going to be. Um, seasons before that, there was just so many question marks of who was going to be in the rotation. We were figuring out the back end of the rotation in spring training. Now, if Garrett Cole can return to form, which I feel like Garrett Cole is such a competitor, he's spending 100%. every single day of this offseason trying to get better, trying to figure it out. The spider tack thing was rough. He got COVID and then he hurt his hamstring. Those three things factored into his lack of performance in the way that we expect to see him, but he's still an ace. He's going to be healthy. He can come back and be better. Luis Severino. Luis Severino is supposed to be an ace too. And we saw flashes of it last year. He's stronger. He's working out. He's going to be better and come back. Jordan Montgomery had a solid year last year. He signed with Scott Boris. Scott Boris better not let him go anywhere else. Yeah. He's got to be a Yankee. Domingo Herman might be able to give us some good starts. Tyone is rehabbing, working to come back. N Nestor Cortez Jr. is where I'll end. Nestor Cortez Jr. was the surprise of the season for me last year. I love that guy. Nestor Cortez Jr. night. I love going to the stadium when Nestor Cortez Jr. was playing, starting, pitching for us. I have optimism because I think we have more pitching going into this year than we've had. Obviously, our bullpen is, is going to be solid. We found some guys late in the year, like like uh, Joely, um, Wandy. Why am I blank? Oh, Clay Holmes. Clay like, Holmes. Why am I blanking on the bullpen? Like I don't know all of these guys. Um, 
I think we're going to be all right pitching wise. And that's the whole thing. That's why I'm worried about them starting slow. Cause I want our pitchers to get a proper spring training. I want them to be ready to go for 162 games. We know we got guys that can mash in this lineup. And what I'll say lastly is it's still in cash. We trust there are holes at shortstop and at first base, and they're going to fill them. They're not going to let us go into this season. So, you know, I know a lot of people thought Matt Olson was the answer. Maybe it's Anthony Rizzo. Maybe Olsen still gets traded here. Shortstop-wise, if it isn't Trevor Story, it ain't going to be Carlos Correa, y'all. I'm just, just breaking it to you now. It's too much money. It's too many years. We have shortstop prospects, and we're signing international shortstop prospects. Like, we have young shortstops that are coming up. Trevor Story would be the perfect stopgap. I don't know, maybe give him a, a two, three-year prove-it deal, um, see how he does. He's also a guy that's athletic enough to move the third. And we'll see what happens with Gary and Higgy. That's our catcher situation. DJ LeMayu is where I like to end. DJ is my guy, my MVP, your MVP, DJ MVP. He is the key. If DJ returns to literally being in the top of the MVP voting, the Yankees will be all right. And I feel like the fans are hurt over the way that last year ended against our rival, the team that we hate the most. And the team is going to carry that with a chip on their shoulder. Joey Gallo has been posting some stuff of him as a kid wearing Yankees um, gear. And I think he's going to work hard and he's going to be better um, after having a half season, him starting the season with us and going through a full season with us. He's going to be better. Let's get the baseball unlocked, unlock the baseball and let's go Yanks. Thanks for having me on the pod, Jack. Uh, Appreciate you, man. Keep doing your thing. Keep working hard. Yes, sir. Uh, Keep evolving. Keep learning. Keep practicing and getting your reps. And uh, you always have me as a contact and as a resource to reach out to. I'm retiring from guest spots on the pods. Uh, It's a Sunday and I made the time because you're my man. You supported me. And uh, I think you got a bright future ahead of you in the sports world. So keep at it, bro. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I'll see you online and make sure you call in the fan and uh, hit me with some questions. Jack from D.C., you're on the fan. We'll we'll talk soon. 100%. Honored to be the last podcast, last guest spot you have. Excited for the Yankees in 2022. And that will do it for this episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. We'll see you guys next time.